This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. And I appreciate Susan helping me here uh, this morning, since she is my wife and she is a mom. Uh, but we're going to talk to you about just a wee bit, and I just caught it. That sounds a lot like mom. That sounds like mom. And when I read things in the Bible, whether it's the fruit of the Spirit, talks about love and joy and peace and patience and, you know, faithfulness and all those kinds of things. And I go, you know, that sounds a lot like moms, you know, it really does. So as we go through the scripture, we, we see that echoed and uh, we're going to try to uh, point out some things that sound a lot like moms to you. And Susan's going to help me here. Not until I became a mother did I understand how much my mother had sacrificed for me. Not until I became a mother did I feel how hurt my mother was when I disobeyed. Not until I became a mother did I know how proud my mother was when I achieved. Not until I became a mother did I realize how much my mother loves me. So says Victoria Farnsworth. You know, there's no gift that we would give our mother that ever would equal, even come close to equaling the gift she's given unto us, which is life itself. And so we honor mothers here today. And we just want to you know, say that right off the bat, that we know we're not in a perfect world. And there are uh, some mothers who aren't so nice and loving and kind. And some folks didn't have a mom. And it's a very uh, touchy area on this day. And some folks have, have lost children. And there's a lot of things that would, would hurt us on this day. But let us keep our eyes upon the almighty God who will turn it around and he'll work it together for good. And there are so many women who couldn't have children who have the heart of a mother. And they mother the people who come into their pathway. They really do. And God is always there for us and he'll help us and he'll send people across our path that we need when we need them. And we want to encourage those in the future to take God's word and, and to be the best mom you can be because it is a privilege, it is an honor, genuinely is. <clears throat> but what we're going to do now is we're going to share some of the, the qualities of a mother. And, uh, you know, in Proverbs chapter 31, it's called the, the virtuous woman. And we see some wonderful character qualities that are there. And lots of times Proverbs 31 makes mamas feel guilty because they don't quite measure up, you know. Truth of it is... The, the things that we see in Proverbs 31 are just guidelines. And they're there to coach us forward and, and onward and, and upward. And they're not there to condemn us by any uh, way at all. So um, consider these guidelines as we go through them as a positive and not a negative. Now, let me see here. Oh, there's my bag. Let me grab it. I'm going to show you a little something. This is a little bitty kit out of my backpack and has just this little bitty fuel canister there. And this is my uh, little cook set that I use. Now, uh, I looked for over 15 years for a little frying pan. Now my cook set here is very lightweight, very durable. It's made out of titanium, so there's less weight to carry. This is my little cup, also like a little tea kettle there, you know. 
And this is my little backpacking stove. This is an awesome backpacking stove. That's it right there. That's the whole deal. You can cook anything you want to on it. I usually cook over a campfire, but sometimes I'll have this for a quickie, for a hurry, you know, and then you just screw it onto your little fuel cylinder. Okay. All right, then you turn it on just a little bit. And now you can put boil a thing of water, purify your water with it. But I spent 15 years looking for a frying pan. Now I'm allergic to wheat. But I can eat these little gluten-free tortillas, and I needed a frying pan just the right size that fit in my little pot there. And I looked. I researched, I was online, I stopped at every camping store, asked everybody who knew anything about it, trying to find a titanium thing, just weighs like an ounce, a titanium frying pan. And titanium almost has a Teflon-ness to it, so things don't stick to it too easily, and it's extremely durable. And if I had a thought, I would have brought me some tortillas to eat while I was preaching, but I forgot. So anyhow, you're going like, whoops, wrong way. Say, Pastor Ron, what does this have to do with Mother's Day? Well, I'm not sure. I just wanted to show it to you. <laughs> I found the frying pan after 15 years of it. I thought that was pretty important, you know. Have you ever looked for something for 15 years, you know? But I found it. Okay. Now we're going to start reading Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. A good woman is hard to find. But I found one. Amen. Okay? Now, I found a frying pan to suit my needs, and it perfectly fit my little mess kit here. I mean, it fit in every way. It served me exactly like I wanted it to do so, and I found it. But finding a good woman who is my wife, Susan, that was a much better find than a frying pan. And you only expected me to say that here too, right? But that is the truth of it. But let's read that whole verse. Proverbs 31.10 says, A good woman is hard to find and worth far more than diamonds. Far more than diamonds. If you found a good woman, she's your wife, she's the mother of your children, you have found something that's far more valuable than if you had found a giant pillowcase full of the rarest of diamonds. And that's the truth of it. That's what the scripture is trying to tell us here. You know, and I heard about this little boy. He was sitting on his front steps with his face cradled in his hands. And he's looking so despondent, hopeless, unhappy. And his dad came home just then. And he asked his son, he said, what's wrong, buddy? And the little boy looked up and he said, well, just between us, dad, I'm having trouble getting along with your wife also. <laughs> so moms, they don't have to be perfect for God to declare them, you know, to be a good woman. Because if you've got a good woman, there will be a little conflict in your life from time to time when you're like missing the mark and she's trying to, you know, encourage you in the right direction. I don't know if y'all ever experienced that. 
Maybe that's just some only me, I suppose. But Mark Twain said, what would the people on the earth be without women? And then he went on to answer his own question. He said, people would be very scarce if you didn't have women on the earth. You know, it takes them, you know, to, to produce children and all. Now, when all is said and done, it is the mother and the mother only who is a better citizen than the soldier who fights for his country. And you understand, I support our soldiers. I mean, we have one. And many of you have uh, guys and gals in the military, and we support them and love them and pray for them. But here, uh, and I'll tell you who said this in a moment, but he said, when all is said and done, it is the mother and the mother only who is a better citizen than the soldier who fights for his country. The successful mother... The mother who does her part in rearing and training aright the boys and girls who are to be the men and women of our next generation, she is of greater use to our community and she occupies, if she would only realize it, a more honorable as well as a more important position than any man in it. The mother is the one supreme asset of our national life. She is more important by far than the successful statesman or businessman or artist or scientist, so says Theodore Roosevelt. Y'all heard of that guy? He said the mothers are so much more valuable than all those other positions, and, and we honor them. Now, uh, we have a son who's in the Marines, and a year after he signed up, we went down for some special things that they were doing there down at Camp Lejeune, uh, us and a bunch of other parents and uh, our son's commanding officer at that time he spoke to all the parents and he said that he and all the higher ups in rank you know he said uh, that the thing that they feared and respected the most was the mothers of America and uh, that was the truth he said if mama start calling and start writing the president about them they're in trouble the mothers are so important. They have greater influence than you could ever imagine. And I just want to let you guys know about that. So anyhow, we'll pick back up with the scriptures here. Verse 11 says, her husband trusts her without reserve. Confidently, that means. He trusts her without reserve. He trusts her confidently, holding nothing back at all. Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful, she treats him generously all her life. And, and my wife is that exactly. She treats me, you know, usually generously. <laughs> I'm teasing. She is that frying pan, a perfect fit for my life in every way. And she really is a great encouragement to me. She really is and probably works harder than all our family put together, to be honest with you. Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful, she treats him generously all her life long. And you know, um, you know that saying, behind every what? Good man, there is a great woman. Where'd she go? Okay. Now, that great woman often is our wife. Often it can be a grandmother a mother, you know, but there's so much truth to that. And behind the great man often might have been a mama, 
you know, who was in the, the midst of raising them up in the first place. Um, and then we pick back up here in verse 13. She shops around for the best yarns and cottons. Now, would you read that once again? She shops. Now, hold on right there. She shops. Now, I know that about moms, that they have a tendency, they enjoy shopping. Have you all noticed that at all? Is that true? Am I missing something here? I don't think so. But it says she does what? She shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. She's like a trading ship that sails to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. She's up before dawn. Now, I told you sometimes these passages can be a little, make us feel a little guilty, you know. But sometimes when mamas is up all night long with the babies, maybe she can't quite get up at dawn every time. These are some guidelines, <laughs> but not designed to, to, to make us feel guilty. Let's look at that again. I'm not really up at dawn. You're not? Not usually, except for this morning. Good for you. She's up before dawn, preparing breakfast for her family and organizing her day. Hmm. She really works hard. So, you know, what she's doing will not be interrupted. And sometimes, I'll tell you, you know, we take mothers for granted. We take our, our wives for granted and all the work that she does. But uh, like Susan says, she's not necessarily up for dawn, but she does work late into the night along with me uh, lots of times. I understand that. But these passages are guidelines for us not to make us feel guilty, because we honor you mothers. We genuinely do. We thank God for you. And we will do anything we can to encourage you. So let's continue on here. She looks over a field and buys it. Then with money she's put aside, plants a garden. Hmm. Not only does she shop wisely, but she puts money aside. The scripture says, now these are guidelines. And, and you know, the ones who do a lot of shopping, it's hard to put money aside. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Whoops. But uh, that's what it says that this woman, and she's referred to in Proverbs 31 as that virtuous woman. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. And, you know, and, and you can understand why she can get up and get started, because back in those Bible days, they didn't have soap operas and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and those can be somewhat distracting, I suppose. She senses the worth of her work, is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. She wisely uses her time, wisely uses her resources, and part of her passion is she loves to work. She's skilled in the crafts of home and hearth, diligent in homemaking. Manages her household very well. She's quick to assist anyone in need, reaches out to help the poor. You know, not only working for her own household, for her own family, but when there's other people in need, she's there for them. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. Mm. Their winter clothes are all ready. Well, years ago, I was reading this article. There was a young mother, and she was making her way across the hills of South Wales, and carrying her tiny baby in her arms when she was overtaken by a blinding blizzard. And here in New England, we understand a blizzard. She never reached her destination. 
and when the blizzard had subsided, her body was found by searchers beneath a mound of snow. But they discovered that before her death, she had taken off all her outer clothing and wrapped it about her baby. And when, the unwrap, when they unwrapped the child, to their great surprise and joy, they found that he was alive and well. She had mounted her body over his and given her life for her child, proving the depth of her mother love. Years later, the child, whose name is David Lloyd George, grown to manhood, he became prime minister of Great Britain and without a doubt one of, the, one of England's greatest statesmen. But he was only there and only served his nation because of the gift that his mother had given to him. Verse 22 says, She makes her own clothing and dresses in colorful linens and silks. Her husband is greatly respected when he deliberates with the city fathers. And you know what? Because she respects her husband, it causes others to respect her husband. But if you disrespect your husband, it'd be easy for other people to be disrespectful toward him as well. But can we read that once again and move on? Her husband is greatly respected when he deliberates with the city fathers. She designs gowns and sells them, brings the sweaters she knits to the dress shops. Very, very resourceful. Her clothes are well-made and elegant, and she always faces tomorrow with a smile. Would you read that once again? Her clothes are well-made and elegant, and she always faces tomorrow with a smile. Could you read the last part of that verse once again? And she always faces tomorrow with a smile. That is huge. Facing tomorrow with a smile. You know what? Uh, you've, if you've been around here very long, you've heard me say, the best is yet to come. And my favorite verse is Romans 8, 28, that we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called to his purpose. And the best is yet to come. That's right. It is so huge to face tomorrow with a smile because a lot of people, they're thinking about tomorrow. <laughs> and they're thinking, this is Sunday, tomorrow's Monday. I got to go back to work. Oh, no. Do you face tomorrow with a smile? May this be such an inspiration to us. Now, if you can help me do something to help us remember this tomorrow, but if you would just give me your normal, average-looking face, no smile, no frown, just, just a plain, vanilla, average face. And then look at your neighbor for just a couple seconds and look back. Did y'all try that? Hey, just normal. No smiling. Come on, you're cheating. Now, I want you to try it again. And I want you to give the biggest smile you got as you look at your neighbor. Which is better? The smile. The smile. Now that scripture said what? <laughs> that she always faces tomorrow with a smile. So let me challenge each and every one of you, especially when your children see mom facing tomorrow with a smile, they'll learn not to be worried. They'll learn to seek God. And they'll learn that they can expect great things tomorrow because they'll face tomorrow with a smile if you look to tomorrow with a smile. That is just so huge. Verse 26, when she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say. You know, she's not a gossip. She's not a busybody. Have you ever been around people talking and they didn't have nothing worthwhile to say? But you could not turn them off. You know what I'm saying? It's so important when we speak that we got something worthwhile to say. We look to the future, 
Look to tomorrow with a smile. And when we open our mouth, we've got substance. There's something worth listening to. Let's continue. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. Always. Whatever she says, she says it kindly. Even if you've got to give some instruction or correction, can't you say it kindly? Absolutely, you can. It's a choice that you'll make. You know, so if we, we want to face tomorrow with a smile, we want to have something worthwhile to say. And when we say anything, that we speak it with kindness. We speak it kindly. What a, uh, an inspiration and a goal that is for all of us. But we see that often in mothers. And that's the way they teach their children by their example. We see that. Verse 27, she keeps an eye on everyone in her household. You know, she's focused. She's got discernment. It's not, it's not all about her, but she's got her eyes on everyone in her household, like my wife does, and she prays over everyone. And those who are already married and moved away and in the military and whatever, she's got her eyes on everyone in her household. That's so important because it makes such a difference. She keeps an eye on everyone in her household and keeps them all busy and productive. Her children... Her ch uh, another translation here, it says, her children rise up, is what it says. Here it says, her children... Respect and bless her. But her children will rise up and respect and bless her. Now, Thomas Edison once said, he said, I did not have my mother for long, but she cast over me an influence which has lasted all of my life. The good effects of her early training, I can never lose. If it had not been for her appreciation and her faith in me at a critical time in my experience, I should never likely have become an inventor. I was always a careless boy, and with a mother of a different mental caliber, I should have turned out badly. But her firmness and her sweetness, her goodness, were potent powers to keep me on the right path. My mother was the making of me. And moms, I'm going to tell you something. You make a difference. Sometimes we feel like, well, I should have. I wish I had this. And no. Let me tell you, you made a difference. You do make a difference. And there's always things we can go back and we wish we could change. But we can't do that. But you make a difference. You know, your labor of being a mother has not been in vain. New York Times was going to do a story on the 12 greatest women in the United States. And after great consideration, the editors of the paper wrote, the 12 greatest women in the United States are women who have never been heard of outside of their own homes. And I asked you, who is greater, Thomas Edison that we just read about, or his mother? It was mother who inspired him, or he had never had an invention. And when he was a young lad, Thomas Edison, his teacher sent him home with a note which said, your child is dumb. We can't do anything for him, Mrs. Edison wrote back. You do not understand my boy. I will teach him myself. And she did with the results that are, are well known to all of us, you know, all the inventions that Thomas Edison did. Does anybody know one particular one? Oh, yeah, the light bulb. Inspiration by his mother. Now, when the will of Henry J. Hines, wealthy distributor of the famous Hines 57 variety, 
line, when the will was read, it was found to contain the following confession. Looking forward to the time when my earthly career will end, I desire to set forth at the very beginning of this will as the most important item in it. A confession of my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I also desire to bear witness to the fact that throughout my life, in which there were unusual joys and sorrows, I have been wonderfully sustained by my faith in God through Jesus Christ. This legacy was left to me by my consecrated mother, a woman of strong faith, and to it I attribute any success I have attained. And it is often, so often, that it's the mother who is the inspiration of a child coming to know and put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through the mother that faith has that spark in the heart of so many children. Let's go back to the scriptures there. Verse 28 says, Her children respect and bless her. Her husband joins in with words of praise. Many women have done wonderful things, but you've outclassed them all. And that's talking about my wife here, you know, <laughs> that you outclassed them all. Other translation says you excelled them off because see, God created her like my frying pan, you know, a perfect fit. It just suits me. And we work fantastically together as a team. And we honor all the mothers. And if you found a, a, a good woman, that's a blessing from Almighty God. And I want to say, you mothers, you know, you deserve to be praised. You are something special. And don't listen to that negative that the devil tries to throw at you and try to tear you down. Many women have done wonderful things, but you've outclassed them all. Charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. You know, a lot of people do focus upon just the immediate. And it's okay to have some charm. And it's sure okay to have some beauty and to work at those things. But those things will fade quick enough. You know, it's not just all about that. It's having some vision to see beyond that. Seeing into the future on behalf of our children. Sending them into the future. And having faith that changes things. It genuinely does. Charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of God. In the fear of God that I think often is greatly misunderstood. It's not talking about being afraid, being scared of God. That has nothing to do with it. It really doesn't. It tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13, it says the fear of God, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And that word fear there, as you'll see it in other translations, it talks about that reverential, worshipful awe, that respect, that admiration, and that awe before Almighty God that you love and respect Him so much, you, you, you hate the evil that would displease Him, you see. And it talks about here in this verse that, you know, the woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of God. And it tells us in Proverbs 22, 4, it says the rewards of humility and the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is riches and honor and long life. The person who understands the fear of the Lord and humility will receive riches and honor and long life. That's what he's telling us here. And we see that displayed in this virtuous woman that we read about in Proverbs, you know, uh, chapter 31. 
Now I was reading about these four preachers and they were discussing the merits of uh, various translations of the Bible. And one of them liked the King James Version because, well he liked it best because uh, it's simple, it, it, it was you know, beautiful English, you know. Another liked the American Revised Version best because he thought that it was closer to the original Hebrew and the Greek. And still another liked the contemporary version because of its up-to-date vocabulary. The fourth minister was silent for a moment, and then he said, I like my mother's translation best. Surprised, the other three men said, they didn't know his mother had translated the Bible. He said, yes, you know. Yes, he replied. She translated it into daily life. And it's the most convincing translation I ever saw. And you know what, mamas? What you believe and what you do, especially if it's God's word, you translate it into the life of a child by your behavior, by your actions, by what you do. You know, I just recently um, was talking to Ronnie that I had come across a word that I've heard spoken a few times about being hangry. Have you ever heard that term, something about being hangry? hangry. I'm like, that's an interesting word. And I looked it up and it means it's, it's like a, a joining of two words, hungry and angry. And so many times when we get hungry, we get angry. And it, it, it went into some medical things about your blood sugar dropping and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, wow. Okay, so hangry. And I, but I found that also... You know, it says here the key to this Proverbs 31 woman is that she's a, a woman that fears the Lord. And that is the key to her being able to do anything else. You know, is when we come to that point where, um, you know, we recognize that our strength comes from God. Because what happens is if we have gone without what nourishes us in our relationship with God, uh, if we're, we're hungry for God but we're not feeding our relationship with God, our attitudes are not going to be right. Our reactions and our responses are not going to be right. So if we find ourselves being hangry, uh, it may not just be uh, that we need physical food, but we need spiritual food. We need that daily time with God to, to fuel us to be able to do the things that God has called us to do as women, as moms, and as wives. And that's so important. It says um, in, here in Proverbs 31, verse 31, it says, Give her everything she deserves. Festoon her life with praises. The word festoon means adorn. Festoon, adorn her life with praises. And you know, if one of the things that we do when we praise our mothers, you know, if our moms... Grandmoms could already be with the Lord right now, but our life praises them. And what we do and what we say about them, it praises them, you know. And may our lives honor and praise our mother, you know, and our mothers and, and you mothers by the actions, that, the behavior that you live out. One day your children, you know, will brag about you. They'll praise you. They, they genuinely will. And, you know, my mom... And my grandmom and my children's mom, you know, they actually practice what I preach. They really do. And they came to know Christ, you know, and they were such an inspiration to me. It's why I'm here doing what I do to this day. And I, how old am I again? 63. 63. 24, <laughs> yeah. I'm 63. And this is our uh, 39th year we in, 
right here in this church here, and you know, uh, but it's because of the inspiration of my mother, my grandmother, and then once Susan and I got married, that was our whole purpose and goal was to to be involved in ministry for the rest of our lives, and that's what we're actually doing here. Now, uh, <clears throat> don't forget all the things we've been reading about in Proverbs 31, that mothers, these virtuous women, they make a difference. Now, I'll be honest, I feel a little tired right now after reading all the things that the women do there in Proverbs 31. <laughs> it just kind of tires me out, you know, because um, they are very, very diligent uh, in working, and Susan sure is that. As far as in our household, she does more than we all do. She does the same equivalent things that we do, and then she washes and cleans and cooks and all of that, you know, without complaining, I must add, you know. So we're greatly blessed. But there's a, uh, a woman named Charlotte Whitten, and she said, Whatever women do, they must do twice as well as men to be thought half as good. And then she goes on to say, Luckily, that's not very difficult to do, you know. You have to think of that in a little while, you know. But it is so true. They work really hard and they're often taken for granted. A cartoon showed a psychologist talking to his patient. And uh, the psychologist said, let's see now. You spend 50% of your energy on your job. Is that right? Yep. And you spend another 50% on your husband. All right? and 50% on your children. And the psychologist said, I, I, I think I see your problem. 50 and 50 and 50, that kind of adds up to more than 100%. But the truth of it is, with moms, I see you do go way beyond what seems to be possible. I know Susan does, you know, and it's such an inspiration. And, and, and there's strength and power that flows out of compassion. It genuinely does. Women, uh, I do know, often feel a little bit guilty. They don't measure up when you read Proverbs 31, and I try to steer away from it sometimes because it makes ladies, and they tell me this, I feel guilty, like I just don't quite measure up. But remember, it's what? Guidelines. A guideline. It's a guideline, and there's lots of things you do pretty good, and there's some other things, that, you know, I'm gonna work on that area there. Yeah, that's great, I'm glad I read that. I'm gonna work on that area. The same as all of us do as we look to God's word. It's an inspiration to us. It's a guideline for us all. A man came home from work, and he found his three children outside, still in their pajamas, playing in the mud, with empty food boxes and wrappers thrown around the garden. The door of his wife's car was open, and as was the front door of his house, and no sign of the dog. Walking in the door, he found an even bigger mess. A, a lamp had been knocked over. The throw rug was up against the wall in the front room. The TV was on loudly with a cartoon channel. The family room was strewn with toys and various items of clothing. In the kitchen, dishes filled the sink. Breakfast food was spilled all over the counter. The fridge door was open wide. Dog food was spilled all over the place. A broken glass lay under the table, and a small pile of sand was spread by the back door. He quickly headed up the stairs, stepping over toys and more piles of clothing, looking for his wife. He was worried now. She might be ill, or something serious may have happened. He was met with a small trickle of water as he made his way out 
the bathroom door. And as he peered inside, he found wet towels, scummy soap, more toys strewn all over the floor. Miles of toilet paper lay in heaps everywhere. Toothpaste had been smeared over the mirrors and the walls all over the bathroom. And as he rushed to the bedroom, he found his wife still curled up in the bed in her pajamas, reading a novel. She looked up at him and smiled and asked how his day had gone. He looked at her bewildered and asked, what happened here today? She again smiled and answered, you know, every day when you come home from work and you ask me, what in the world do I do all day? <laughs> yes, was his skeptical reply. She answered, well, today I didn't do it. <laughs> no one deserves a special day more than moms do. But lots of times they're not appreciated and you don't really recognize what they do until they don't do it. Now, if your wife don't do it one day this week, don't blame me for that, okay? <laughs> 600 college students were asked to write down the most beautiful word in the English language and 422 of that 600 they wrote down the word mother. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. If you honor your father and your mother, and you know what? She can already be with the Lord but your lifestyle honors her, the Bible says this is the first command that has a promise attached to it. If you honor your father and your mother, he said, this is God saying this, things will go well for you. So at any point in time when things are not going so well, we need to examine our life. Is my lifestyle and my words and what I'm doing, am I honoring my mother and my father? It was a missionary trying to stir up an interest, you know, to get people to go to the mission field, the foreign, foreign country, to preach the gospel. And at the end of the service, a woman dragging a little boy behind her told the missionary, I just feel like God's calling me to be a missionary. And the missionary said, indeed. And he was pointing to the little boy, and he said, and this little heathen is your mission field right here. And I'm going to tell you, it's a wonderful thing to see missionaries go to other countries. But I'm going to tell you, our children are a phenomenal mission field. And we need to reach out to them. And we need to invest our time and our energy and our money into reaching our children with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is so important. See, motherhood is ministry. It's the most important kind of ministry. Uh, Billy Graham said, let your home be your parish. Your little brood, your congregation. Your living room, a sanctuary. And your knee, a sacred altar. Mothers have a remarkable ability to change the world through their children. And nobody may know about it until you get to heaven one day. But you'll change your, the world in which you live through your children. Not too many people know my mom. Not too many people know Susan's mom. But my mom, our moms have changed the world. 
you know, right here, anyhow, through their children. And you're changing your world through your children. How important is that? An old Spanish proverb says, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. Are you criticizing me, dear? <laughs> I agree totally. Mama, when she reads the Bible, and then she translates it into actions, so much more powerful than our sermon from some pastor somewhere, that's for sure. Phil Weisenhunt said, the most important occupation on earth for a woman is to be a real mother to her children. It doesn't have much glory to it, and there's a lot of grit and grime, but there's no greater place of ministry, position, or power than that of a mother. We see in the Bible that Naomi and Ruth and Mary, Hannah and the Syrophoenician woman, the widow of Zarephath, and scores of others, just like today, their lives made a difference, and your life is making a difference too in the same way. And many of you right here in this room that we know, your mamas, are making a difference in the life of your children. And your children are making a difference in the world in which we live. That's the truth of it. How are our, how are our churches beautified? How are our sick tended, our poor fed, our children taught and cared for and civilized? Do you think the masculine element goes for much in these things? No. Nah. Women are the church's strong rock, as they were the last at the foot of the cross. And so they have become the first at the altar. And I'll tell you, after being here for so many years, and I'm not being critical to the men, and thank God for those who have stepped up, but it's usually the women who step up first. Hey, guys, y'all getting me a little echo here. Thank you. There's a lady who could probably help you on figure that thing out. <laughs> But honest to goodness, it's the women who genuinely step up often and serve, even though they have their own jobs and their own families and their own needs. But that's just the truth of it. That's how it comes down. James Dobson once said, countless times each day, a mother does what no one else can do quite as well. She wipes away a tear, whispers a word of hope, eases the child's fear. She teaches, ministers, loves, and nurtures the next generation of citizens, and she challenges her kids to do their best and be the best. But no editorials praise these accomplishments. You know, so think about why, why aren't, why isn't the media covering this kinds of stuff? Moms are often taken for granted. We know that just is what happens. Well, let me read you one more little clip here. I think oftentimes, as the night draws nigh, of an old house on the hill, of a yard all wide and blossom-starred where the children played at will. And when the night at last came down, hushing the merry din, mother would look around and ask, are all the children in? Just many and many a year since then, and the old house on the hill no longer echoes to childish feet, and the yard is still, so still. But I see it all as the shadows creep, and though many the years have been. Since then I can hear my mother ask, are all the children in? I wonder if when the shadows fall on the last short earthly day, when we say goodbye to the world outside, all tired uh, with that child display, 
when we step out into that other land where mother so long has been, will we hear her ask, just as of old are all the children in? And I want to, you know, challenge you, are all our children, the people that we know, are they in the family of God? Have they come to know Christ? Have they received the mercy and the forgiveness of God? Have their names been written in the Lamb's book of life? Are all the children in? And so we invest our time and our energy, our resources, whatever it takes to reach the men, the women, the boys and girls and get them connected to Jesus who loves them and gave his life for them and rose from the dead for them and has made a heavenly home for them. Are all their children in? Maybe you're a child today and you can say that, you know, I'm I'm really not connected to Jesus right now. I'm not really in his family right now. But now is the time. We know not what the future has in store for us. So what I want to do, I'm going to say a little prayer. For those of you here who you know you're in right relationship with God. And for those who you're not quite sure, that you say, I want to declare my faith today. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to join me to reaffirm your faith in Christ. Whether you're here in this room or the balcony or downstairs in our cafe or you're watching online. I want to challenge you on this Mother's Day to honor our mothers and to honor our God. To say, yes, Lord, I want to be in a right relationship with you. I receive your mercy. I receive your forgiveness. I want to do things your way. So I want you to just join me, if you would, as we bow our heads together right now and pray. Would you pray with me? We're going to pray together out loud. Would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe you love me. I believe you love me. I believe the best is yet to come. I believe the best is yet to come. I believe that's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe that's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he died in my place. I believe he died in my place. He paid for all my sins. He paid for all my sins. And then he rose from the dead. And then he rose from the dead. I believe Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart. I believe Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide my heart. And I open wide my heart. And I welcome Jesus inside. And I welcome Jesus inside. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my King. And as my King. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. One final thing I would like to do, and then I'm going to show you a minute of VBA, but I would like all the mothers here, if you would, to stand up. All your moms. There. And I'm sure there's a bunch of them standing out there in internet land who's watching this fear. But we honor you. Don't sit down yet. And all we want to pray for you. And all the moms that may be sitting downstairs in the cafe down there. And uh, the rest of us, let's join our faith and, and ask God's blessing upon these mothers here. Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. And we thank you for these moms. We honor them this day. We ask that you would encourage them. And Lord, that you would help them to cast down those negative thoughts that would plague them and try to make them feel guilty. Take those negative thoughts away, Father, and help them to recognize that you, who are a miracle-working God, can take all those things and work them together for good in the lives of our children, our grandchildren, and just the children who's in our sphere of influence. Bless these women who are standing right now. And Lord, encourage them and strengthen, provide whatever it is that they have need of. Lord, their finances. 
Provide good health, Father. Provide the right relationships. Whatever they have need of in their life, we ask your blessings upon them and encourage them, O oh Father, and we thank you so much for them. Bless these women. And we ask you to bless all those who have the heart of a mother, who haven't had any children or couldn't, but they have that heart and that passion to mother other kids. Bless them, Father. And I thank you for the gift you've deposited in them. And all the little girls who have the potential one day of being a mom, bless them, almighty God, we ask. And give them wisdom to make right choices and right decisions. And may they become an extension of your love and your passion to this world, oh, Father. Thank you for moms. Thank you for our moms. Thank you for the moms in this room and those who are watching online. Wherever they may be, thank you, almighty God, and bless them indeed, we ask. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And all those that agree with that says, Amen. Amen.